Yeah, welcome to this special edition of the Far Post Perth podcast. What a week it has been. Plenty of questions, plenty of answers. And coincidentally, ironically, however you want to put it, it was three years to the day that Perth Glory picked up its first bit of silverware in the A-League. We did have a podcast earlier this week. I do recommend, if you're just jumping on board now, to go and have a listen to that one and use this one as a part two because we are going to be having a chat this afternoon with Tony Pinata, CEO of the Perth Glory Football Club. Blake Treadgold is my name. Be joined in a second by Neil Sherwin. But first of all, let's introduce our special guest for this evening. It is Mr. Tony Pinata from the Perth Glory. Welcome. Hey, hi guys! No, thanks for having me. It's uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Actually, it's uh, been some good uh, interaction over the last few days, and yeah, I just want to answer every question honestly, openly, and let the fans know what um, what's happening. Absolutely, there's been plenty of interaction uh, through our channels, through the Perth Glory channels, about what's going on down there. Plenty of questions. We'll try and get through as many of them as we can. Um, if we do miss yours, we do apologise, but we'll try and get through as many of them as we can. Uh, Tony, uh, first of all, how would you, I guess, describe where the club is at at the moment? Uh, yeah, look, we're on the bottom of the ladder, so it's not great. No, look, it's 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 terrible, to be honest. Um, you know, we, you know, as you said, you know, three years ago, we won the Premier's Plate, been in uh, Newcastle 1-0 with an over-French goal, and uh, we find ourselves languishing on the bottom of the, the ladder at the moment and uh, winless in, uh, I think it's like 13 games. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not great. It's, it's actually uh, terrible. What would you say are the, are the biggest issues facing the club at the moment? Obviously, we're coming out of a, a COVID p- a period, which has been difficult for just about everyone. But, I mean, what if you were to pick point a couple of things that really are areas of concern for yourself and, and the football club, what would, they, what would they be at the moment? Yeah, it, I suppose the hardest thing for us is, it's, it's, you know, we started with so much hope and hype, you know, we sold out our first game. We unveiled Daniel Sturridge as our marquee player. Um, you know, seventeen thousand in, in November was was amazing, and then we knew we'd be on the road, and and that really turned nasty with um, the players being forced into isolation in, in a hotel room potentially over Christmas. And uh, you know, we did as much as we can to get them out and get them home. And from that, we we basically haven't recovered on the road. I thought we did. We did well. I thought we managed to keep the group together and pick up points. We had some really good wins, um, you know, beating Melbourne Victory and Sydney FC earlier on. And uh, to be frank and honest, when we came home, it it, it turned sour. So I'm not sure why. Uh, whether it's just that you know, basically the the players and you got to understand the human as well. Um, and then on top of that, you know, some of the uh, the injuries we we copped and. You know, we've ended up with playing a, uh, basically kids at the moment with uh, Liam keeping the average age up. Mm. But to actually put it down to specifics, uh, I, I can't pinpoint the exact moment that something like this happened. It's It's been snowballing and, you know, you've got to look at, um, at, at everything. You know, uh, you've got to look at the, the recruitment. And, I, and I'm going to be I, – I, honest and open. You've got to look at the recruitment, how we recruited, the type of players we recruited, the way we coached the players, um, everything like that. And, um, you know, we've, we've come, as you said, you know, from winning the Premier's Plate, 
making finals a game away from um, another grand final to last year finishing ninth um, and now on the bottom of the ladder. So, yeah, there's a whole host of things that we really need to sit down at season end and, um, and, and review. Tony, one of the things that, that happens over the past couple of months, and I know you said it, it's, it's snowballed, but we, we did get to a point where that turned into the replacement of Richard Garcia as coach. He's, he had to deal with uh, quite a lot in during his tenure, including the ACL, uh, not being coached in Perth, which was obviously a disaster for fans as well. He had to deal with all the aforementioned issues uh, with the over the East Coast um, and, and COVID as well. However, the decision was made to remove him as coach, and Ruben Zakovic is, is now in place. Um, what was the, the reasoning for not allowing Richard Garcia to see out the season if he had to deal with all of those issues over a 12 to 18 month period? You know, I suppose, um, yeah, we, we allowed Richard, um, you know, this year to come home and play some home games, and results weren't there as well. Um, but the results weren't even there at home and we were having a nearly full strength side and we just felt at the time that we probably we needed to, needed a change. Um, and so sometimes, you know, when you when you sort of look at players and they can sense that they're, they're just not, they're not there um, and we basically felt that we just needed to change it up and, and, and try and make a push for, you know, for finals and get on a run because in this league, if you get on a run of four or five wins in a row, you're back. You know, Wellington did it when they were looking down down the barrel. But uh, you know, to throw you know matters once Ruben came in, we, we we lost you know a lot more players to to injuries. And I know a lot of people pointing to injuries and you know and saying, well, but if you have a look at the injury list, and, and I've listened to the, to the fans and we've done a injury update today and sent that out uh, and we'll, we'll continue to do that weekly and I think it's a great idea. One of my biggest bugbear was that we got rid of the ins and outs from mm. the A-League and I pushed and pushed for that uh, but it fell on deaf ears because the APL thinks sometimes they know a little bit better but it's wrong because I know that the fans like that week in, week out, ins and outs and we can announce who's injured, who's not. But saying that... Um, yeah, look, things haven't uh, worked out. Um, I know Ruben took uh, took a team hopeful to sort of make a make a late push, um, but injuries decimated that. <clears throat> and he's, uh, you know, look, Ruben's young. He's uh, he's very ambitious, very keen, and I think uh, you know, look, he's, he's a good coach. But um, you know, as he has said as well, he's he's trying to uh, to to bring together with with a squad who are trying. And you know, I know. We copped six last week, um, but um, that was basically to a lot of factors, and one was the fatigue and trying to back in, back out. But uh, yeah, we just basically you know, the answer is, is yeah, we just felt we needed a change and, and and change it and see if we can get something going for the season, not throw it away. Well, Ruben has been very, I'd say, I think bullish is fair to say with a lot of his press conferences, the way he's spoken, and he as he's well, as you say, he's ambitious, he's very forthright, and and he, he also strikes me as somebody who has targets in his mind mindset moving forward. Uh, a couple of the questions we've had in have been related to the future of the of the coaching position. Is Ruben somebody that's in consideration for that, or and this is probably where uh, people have been quite annoyed in the past. We were promised a worldwide search, only to end up with somebody on our doorstep. What, what is the club looking to do and what expectations should the fans have about the direction they're looking to go in for the next head coach? Um, is Ruben a candidate? Yeah, definitely he's a candidate. I mean, he's in the position now, so 
Um, you know, we, we've explained to Ruben and, and Coiny that they've got that 10 games and then we will re- uh, revisit. Now, are we going to do worldwide search, etc.? Well, that's going to be depend on, on the budget in terms of what we want to pay for a coach because, you know, Tony Popovich type person, um, you know, international person is, is a lot of money. So that's first and foremost, I've, I met with, um, with, with Tony Sage, our owner, and say, well, what do you want for the budget? Because that's going to determine do we do a worldwide search or do we look local? So, um, and, and we're, we're in discussion of, of that in terms. My, my preference has always been for a local coach, um, not an international. And in my time at, uh, at Sydney FC, you know, when Graham Arnold was available, um, you know, I interviewed a lot of international coaches for that role, being, a, you know, basically a, you know, one of the biggest clubs in, in the A-League. But, um, yeah, my preference is for a, uh, for a local coach. Uh, I just wanted to, I guess, address the injury concerns at the moment to Tony. Um, they the boys seem to be dropping like flies, and uh, I guess that's got to be to the detriment of Ruben Garcia putting his hand in the ring in terms of trying to pick up some results late in the season. What I guess concerns has the club portrayed, whether it's to the APL or anything like that? Has there been, I guess, real issues involving the the PFA because it doesn't seem like a great spot at the moment. We know these games are coming thick and fast multiple two to three games a week Where, where's the club at with that and I guess how are you guys feeling about this scenario at the moment yeah look um, yeah we've, we've had a lot of injuries this year we've done you know three uh, three knees and you know Jack Clisby last night has done his medial ligament and Trent Osler has done his shoulder so they're not so much soft tissue injuries which you know basically you would expect playing week in week you know, don't, you know every 72 hours but a lot of them are basically as I call them hard uh, tissue injuries, you know, Luke Bodner's fractured a foot, um, you know, Brand J- Brad Jones is his knee, Brandon O'Neill fell over and did his AC joint, um, Sardinero did his ACL last week, um, you know, Bruno goes away in soccer duty and, you know, does his ankle and potentially could be out, you know, for three or four weeks and we're hoping he can come back. Um, and, uh, and, and, and then Daniel Sarage. You know, let's let's park that. I'm sure we're going to talk about Daniel mm. Sturridge later um, because I'd, I'd like to talk about Daniel Sturridge as well. So, um, so the injuries, you know, a lot of people I, I know are saying, you know, this, that, and the other, but I'm telling you that there's a black cat that's <laughs> we've, we've, we've hurt someone. So I think we might have to do some. I don't believe in witchcraft or any of that sort of stuff, but maybe we need something. <laughs> I do have to do have to address the elephant in the room because it's something that everybody has asked about. Mm-hmm. Or well, everybody, a lot of people have asked about the strength and conditioning side of it and yeah. the, the track yeah. record of the strength and conditioning coach with his previous position at the Fremantle Dockers and being let go and picked up by Glory yeah. a few months later. Now, I know that there's a potential for people to put two and two together and make five, mm-hmm. but is yeah. there any sense of that being a factor, but also the facilities that the club has for its uh, prehab and its its rehab afterwards not being adequate. Is there anything in, in that as well contributing to, to the situation? Um, if they were a lot more soft tissue injuries, I would say yes. Um, but, you know, someone falling over like Trent and, and Brandon did um, and then Bruno going away to soccer duty, I wouldn't. I think... I think you're right. There's probably, you know, we, we got kicked out of our facilities in um, Florida there uh, by the rugby. 
Um, so we had to basically train at Scotch, and we didn't have access to the gym as much as we wanted to. Um, we are building new facilities at Fremantle, which will be ready by the time that um, the players come back from their annual leave in July. And it's our facilities, and it's we're basically moving into the old uh, Fremantle Dockers, and that's what we needed. And, uh, and I really pushed our owner to do this because it's going to be just us. We'll have our own change rooms, our own um, rehab centre, everything like that, and we can do it. But, look, there could be something there that we haven't probably done enough strength and conditioning, not so much the coaches, but just given the lack of facilities that we've had. Um, but I will go. I will point out, though, that a lot of these injuries, um, you know, just game day sort of injuries, not, I suppose, pointing the finger at anything that we haven't done right. Um, I'm just wondering, the PFA hasn't had anything to say about these games coming thick and fast, Tony, or about, I guess, player welfare? Not to me. I haven't seen anything come through. Um, Again, as I said before, it's about finishing the season Mm. May 28 because we have to because of the international windows uh, in June where the Socceroos are playing against UAE and then hopefully uh, against Peru. But um, it's a horrendous schedule um, for, for everyone, you know, and then... You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, Perth always playing midweek games, etc. Yeah, we are, but so also the other teams, you know. We had Central Coast play last night with Western Sydney. You had Sydney play the other night against Adelaide. You had Melbourne Victory play on Tuesday night against Brisbane. So every team is – if you go to every team, they'll say the same thing, that they've been hard done by. Mm. Um, but when it's your team, of course, you're going to look at it at, at closer. So we, we know – no different than, than any other team at the moment who's copping it, to be honest. And there's a lot of injuries around the league. For sure. Uh, I just want to have a bit of a look at, I guess, the fans and how they see things, Tony, and I guess some of the um, concerns that they've expressed through us. And I'm wondering if you if you feel that some of these are valid in the way that the fans are coming over or whether they just don't know whether that tr- communication and transparency needs to be upped up a little bit. Where, where do you see, I guess, how the how the fans perceive some of the concerns around the Perth glory at the moment? Um, look, I I can understand where they're coming from, especially when you when you're not winning. Everything is going to have sort of uh, you know, the blow torches going, on, and, and and that's fine. That's you know that's that's my my job to make sure that we uh, and look, I am accessible, um, but not everyone uses sometimes social media, mm. etc. We try and get as much, uh, but maybe. I'll take it on the, you know, I'll take it on board that we maybe haven't communicated as much. And one is, you know, the injury list, you know, because you know we haven't done that. But and that's why today we, we've sent out a uh, on social media and on our website about their, our list and who's out and how long everyone will be, and we'll keep that updated. So I'll, I'll take that. And that's you know, thank you to the fans who've pointed that out because, you know, maybe it's not enough where Ruben or Richie in the past did uh, announce who was injured, who was in, who was out because not everyone's going to sometimes listen to a full interview. So Mm -hmm. I'll I'll take that on board. And, you know, yeah, I mean, we we probably have to be more open and transparent to a certain degree. I mean, we've got to keep certain things. We're not going to talk about who we're recruiting, who we're transferring. Um, like any other organisation, we want to keep things uh, in in house, and we can't be an open book. But um, I'm always open for people asking me questions, and I generally respond if it's done in a respectful manner, and if it's the handle is a a person, not a 
you know, sort of an icon or something like <laughs> that. I won't, I won't answer those sort of, unless I actually know them. But sure. yeah, look, I'll take that on board. Um, I'm pretty open and, and fair on that. Tony, is the is we've, had a, we've, we've, we've go on, Lane. You go. Ahead. I was just going to say, is, is the club operating at full capacity at the moment, Tony? I guess in terms of your backroom staff that can get the word out, whether it's your events, whether it's your comms department, uh, your backroom admin staff, are they operating at full capacity? And I guess how much of that is uh, down to, um, I guess, COVID? If it's not, no, we're not. We're, we've lost a lot of staff over the last six months that have resigned. Um, because, you know, we basically, uh, with stand downs and, and going on annual leave, they've found other jobs um, and have left and, and we haven't replaced them. So we, we're probably six staff down at the moment. So a lot of us are doing a lot of things, um, doubling. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes you just, you just get caught up in just trying to do the day-to-day stuff and operational stuff that you forget about the bigger picture um, sort of stuff. You know, we... You know, Terry McFlynn decided to, to leave. Um, I wanted Terry to stay, but he felt um, that he wanted to, to resign, um, and I accepted that. He, he felt that he came in with Richie, um, albeit that I employed him from Sydney FC in another role, but Richie employed him as, as a football director instead of Bernsey, um, and, and Terry felt that um, he couldn't continue working at the club, so he resigned, and that's fine. So we, yeah, we haven't, and we haven't replaced him. So at the moment, you know, we're, we're battling to do that sort of stuff, you know? Um, so we are a little bit under the pump, but you know, I had a meeting with, 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 with Sage and told him what we need for next year, because we can't continue like this. We need to gear up and make sure that come next season, we're, we're ready to go. And, um, because you, you do need staff. Otherwise, you know, you can't do a lot of things, you know, we don't have marketing. We don't have, you know, someone to look after our, our corporate partnerships, although our commercial manager, uh, you know, is, is doing a great job in, in maintaining that. You know, Gareth's doing a, a great job just himself in terms of, uh, you know, keeping the media going, keeping the social media where in, in the past we've had others to help him. So we are very much under the pump, but we're hoping that will change. And that's being honest, really honest. I think that's probably again that that sort of stuff that, that people will will understand that because uh, we did get some messages. You know, I sent an email three months ago, still haven't gotten a reply yet. No one from the membership team gets back to me. But the the reality is that a lot of businesses have suffered over the past um, six to twelve months, and you guys are no different. But I think, as you said, putting a plan in place for next season will help hopefully alleviate some of those uh, those issues for both you and the uh, as in double jobbing, and then having dedicated resources for each area um and that that yeah. kind of that's sorry, Neil, just, of, yeah, sorry on, Neil, just go to go back i mean a lot of the stuff too was don't forget we didn't have a home game for, for a long long time so you know it, it was it, financially we you know it's been horrendous so staff leaving i i, I really understood you know we couldn't we couldn't replace them. we just didn't have the funds at the moment but uh um and and that's some of the that's sort of the main reason but as I said, you know, we're, we're hoping we'll be, we'll be ready to go on uh, in July next year. 
Well, that leads well. perfectly into into the the next question around the the hotly debated home game this week that took place in New South Wales, and we've seen today that there was an attendance of eighty nine eighty nine people at the game, which you know is to be expected on a between two neutral teams on a wet and windy night in New South Wales. It's far from ideal for everybody involved, but a lot of the questions really are, are around that game specifically how the the club. Will will the club compensate the fans for losing out in a home game as part of the membership? But also the fact that it seems that during this run, the home games have been put on weekday nights. And the point I'd made previously was that when you start, as soon as you start getting into weekdays, you're competing with schools and you're competing with uh, local football, where we try and Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and it's not conducive to getting people through the gates when the team is struggling. How much influence? have you had or over those games taking place midweek and specifically the one in New South Wales? No influence. Um, let me answer the first question about why we played in Sydney last night. And I think 89, I, I didn't even think there was that many, to be honest. Um, but uh, we were meant to play, we were asked to play Wellington in, in New Zealand and we didn't want to go because we felt we've, we've done enough Travelling, um, and I really pushed the the league. To basically, remember two weeks ago we played Wellington, where we we basically got beaten the last kick of the match. Mm. I wanted yep. that game to be played in in Perth as a home game, and then play last night uh, in um, uh, in New South Wales as an away game. Um, but we couldn't convince the league to do that, and. The hardest thing for us would have been as a, as a team to go and play Newcastle on Sunday, fly back to Perth Monday, play last night and then today, having to fly to Launceston uh, as well. And the travel would have it would have just decimated with all the injuries, et cetera. So, um, look, the league picked up picked up the tab um, for the game last night. We didn't have to, you know, pay for that. But um, I thought it was was pretty unfair that we were forced to play that way. We could have easily reversed the fixtures. And at the end of the day, you can jump up and down and do as much as you can, but ultimately they set the fixtures and you've just got to sort of cop it on on the chin and that was the best outcome because we didn't really want to go and play the game in Wellington. So um, that's that's the reason why we... you know, we had to play in, in, in New South Wales last night. And, you know, when we played in Tassie, we, we were even looking probably never coming back because at the time we had planned to come back when the borders were going to be open, but um, then the Premier extended it. Um, so we had to look at a venue to play all our home games. And um, Tasmania, you know, to their credit, came to the party and, and offered to uh, accommodate us. We didn't, we didn't get a cent out of it was basically they covered the accommodation, et cetera, which the APL were paying, and they um, they looked after us there, and we played, you know, three games there. We won the first one, which was the last game we won against Brisbane 2-0, and then we played midweek. But um, going back to the fixture in, you know, we're playing Wednesday nights, so, so a lot of the other teams are playing. But, look, we managed to get one Saturday night, which is uh, against the Wanderers. Um, that's going to be our, our game live on Channel 10 as well. Um, and I really, you know, if we really want to stick it up the league, let's get as many fans as we can there to show that we have a, a big support for this club. Yeah, we might be down on the bottom of the ladder, but if we can get everyone there and get a good ten to 12,000 people, we, we're actually making it – a footballers go free. Um, I think because of the capacity, we've got to limit to about three thousand 
free tickets, but I want as many people as there to say to the league, hey, we, we, we love this club. We believe in this club. Don't give a shit Wednesday night fixtures because we can come out and force them. You know, three years ago we had 56,000 people at uh, off the stadium. Um, so I think it's a good opportunity, but, yeah, it's, it's been bittersweet and I, and I really sympathise with our members and our fans and I know that we've, we've chipped them four games and um, we'll look at how we can compensate them um, for next year and there's a couple of options I'm looking at whether we can give them some free Paramount subscriptions to all our members, which is worth probably about 100 bucks, and then some, some you know extra membership. So I'll work something out that we can sort of go out and do. And to be, to be honest, out of the 5,000 members, most have really been fantastic and understanding, uh, you know, in terms of what uh, we've, we've gone through this year, both financially uh, on and off the field. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll work something through and we'll communicate that once the season's uh, uh, finished. Let's just get, uh, stick to the the fans again for a little bit because it, uh, this week has has seen a little bit of uh, a little bit of tension. It's fair to say on social media with um, with the owner and Tony Sage and his um, his opening line of calling the fans keyboard warriors and a lot of them taking offence to because they simply care about the club. Um, where do you stand on the on the, the fan relations between uh, between the well the supporters and the club at the moment? Do you think that there's it's good harmony? As you've mentioned, there most of the members are fine with the situation and understanding and everything else. But with regard to what we've seen this week and and people, I guess, commenting on the club's position in the off the field as well as on it, is there a lot of work that needs to be done there? Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, you can you can tell the the mood and the angst and. Um, and uh, yeah, we, yeah, we, there's a lot of building, uh, you know, the bridges that we have to do, and and we'll do that. And look, I know what Tony, you know, Tony's something. He's very emotional sometimes, and uh, you know, I think what he tried to communicate was the right message. Uh, it didn't come across that, um, but I love all, all, you know, already. I think Blaine, you put something up there just about. Uh, but something like a T-shirt or something like that, keyboard, Warriors. I was waiting for uh, for something. I just thought, oh, let's have a bit of fun and just keep, just make light of it because that's that's yeah. really, I think, you know, we, we were trying to keep everybody on the same page when you're down. But, yeah, yeah. I just personally, yeah. as I mentioned at the time, uh, I, I didn't think it was a, a very um, a very appropriate thing for, for a position for the owner to take. And I understand his passion and we all appreciate to an extent what he's done for the club. But yeah. in a time like this, antagonizing supporters probably isn't the way to go. Yeah. Yeah, probably wasn't the uh, the right. You know, as I said, the message was was probably right. Maybe just the the top line wasn't uh, the right way. But um, uh, look, you know, the the great thing about it is, is, you know, as you said, I think earlier on, is that the club has a lot of passionate fans and a lot of passionate people that really love this club. Um, and um, at the end of the day, it, it, we're all trying to do. You know, the, the same for, you know, for, for all of us is basically go down the one path together. So I've, I've no, no problems and, um, you know, I'll, I'll shoulder some of the uh, responsibility in, in that and uh, make sure that we're more open and and honest with them. Um, you know, if but it's it's got to be more than results because I'll tell you now, we, we, we probably won't win another game. Um, but, 
you know, we've got to make sure that we just support the club and, and finish off the season as best we can. Tony, there is, I just want to stay on, I guess, this topic somewhat. Um, unfortunately, we have seen Tony Sage come out with some outbursts uh, numerous amount of times. Um, unfortunately, these outbursts have been ongoing. There's a little bit of form happening with, with Tony coming out with this. Is this discussed um, how I guess how damaging this is to the supporter relationship and I guess the overall um, PR processes of the club. Well, between me and him, yeah, oh, yeah. Is it is it open? Is it openly discussed within the club? Is it as it at, you know has it has it popped up as an issue? Oh, no, I mean he's the owner, so he's gonna he's gonna say what he feels like. Um, look, I think I think as I said before, the intent is always the right he's got the right you know the heart is in the right place mm. i just think sometimes just the words come out a little bit different um and um yeah i can, I can share the frustration of, of the fans and the members on that um but uh uh no we don't really you know he, he uses his, his facebook and sort of gets out there and promotes the club as much as as, as he can as well and through the media uh, just on that, I guess the wider PR issue um, and the wider uh, standing that the club does have, particularly in the WA football community, but I guess as a whole in Western Australian community and and the greater sporting community, how would you how would you describe it at the moment? What they think of us? Yeah, they don't like us. Uh, why? We're why, no different. Why would you well, say I'll, that? I'll tell, I'll I'm just wondering. Why. Yeah, I'll tell you why. I've, I've, I've 15 years in this A-League now, had the same issue with Sydney FC. The NPL clubs hate Sydney FC. The NPL clubs hate Melbourne Victory. The NPL clubs hate Perth Goring. The biggest problem we've ever had is when we had academies and we brought academies in-house. Should never have been done because, yes, it's great from a football point of view and building the youth through, etc. but we going in there, taking your best players out of your Belkatas, out of Perth, out of Sterling, every club, Grallop, whatever, right? We're going in there, we're taking the best 13-year-olds, best 14-year-olds, best 15-year-olds, and then we go and play a a Grallop or or a uh, Belkata. So under 15, Perth will play under 15's Belkata. We all come in there all dressed up in Perth glory and we we beat them 4-5-0. Are those kids and parents want to go and then watch Perth Seniors? No. We're the opposition. Mm. So we've lost a lot. I think the league has lost a lot bringing the academies in. I think the academies should start at an older age group, where you're 18s, 19s, and 20s, and build that through. And maybe we have development squads, 13s, 14s, 15s, 16s, that can train with us a couple of times a week, the best kids, but go back and play with their clubs. And we don't have that fraction. So then we're one unit we're one body of football all the way through. As they get older, kids will drop off and the, and the kids who are really good will come through and they can play in our 18s, 20s, and we can play a little bit at, at senior football. Senior football doesn't matter, but it's getting those young kids. So those young kids who go and train with us, etc., and then play with their clubs, and then they go, well, Dad, Mum, let's go and watch Perth Seniors. And I think that's a detriment across the whole league. It's something I feel probably not everyone shares that. Mm. Um, but I know from an AFC point of view, we have to have to have a license in AFC 13s, 14s, 15s, 16s, etc. But I think that's the biggest bugbear of, of the MPL and the grassroots is because of that. And it's not only in Perth, 
it's across Australia. I'm just going to add a quick one, Tony, just to that one. I'm wondering how you feel that Perth Glory is viewed by, I guess, the wider sporting public and the WA community as a whole, including media. Um, I, th- I think from a um, you know sporting, I suppose, bodies, not outside football, I think we're, you know, we're pretty much respected. I think that they see us as a professional club. Um, I mean, there's the media. I mean, there's not that much media in terms of, you know, uh, you know, we've got the West, etc. cetera. Um, you know, I'd like to think that, you know, we're, you know, any, every time you message me, Brian, mm. I'm always on there or AC, SEN or 6PR, etc. cetera. Um, but um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think I'd like. To, don't think we're 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 seen as arrogant, etc. We want to. We need the media. Um, the media is not against us. We need to work together to build the game and, and, and you know bring people through the doors. For sure. So you tell me when you're in the media. What do you think? I mean, I've, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I've, I've heard. I mean, I, I don't think the relationship is bad at the moment, but I think historically, I, I think it's it has been in in worse places. If, if I'm purely honest, over the years, but I mean, I can go back kind of you know 15, 16 years where there's been patches where the I think the relationship between Perth Glory and the media hasn't been healthy. Um, as currently, I think it's it's okay, um, even though I think it's it's good to acknowledge the fact that um, we are going up against. Um, Clubs like the West Coast Eagles, Fremantle Dockers, Perth Wildcats, and so on. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, I can't uh, speak for for many years ago, but you know, I make sure that you know we, we we're open and honest and, and accessible at all times to mm. the media. Look, it's hard when you when you've got some you know big football Aussie rule state here when you've got the Dockers and Frio here, and you know Perth Wildcats. Uh, you know, even though they're I don't see them as a you know a, a, uh, Eagles or Dockers, but they've been so successful over so many years, um, and they, they're still getting good crowds. So um, I just yeah, all I can control is now. So I'm, I'm hope that you know the media sees us as uh, accessible and, and and open to them. Just on the on the PR side of it and on the players and that sort of thing, and it, it'll probably shift us into the recruitment part of it, but. How, how much is actually done to push the players into the public eye? So you know, with we've we've had some some pretty good characters, but but personally, I feel and and I've spoken to people as well that uh, people don't. There's a high turnover of players at Perk Glory, and it's, and that's the nature of the A League with short term contracts and whatnot. But mm-hmm. it's very hard for people to care about the players if they don't know them or don't know who they are. H- how much is the club pushing it, and is it a case of the media don't want to highlight them or don't care, or could there be more done to to get those faces out there? Um, I think it's been hard the last two years with with um, the games, you know, basically you know, having time for the players to go out, and, you know, community, etc. I remember my first year when we were, you know, with, with Popper, we made sure they would go out to clubs a lot more, etc. But the last few years, it's been it's been difficult, when, especially when you're playing Sunday, Wednesday and travelling. Um, I'll, um, in, in terms of getting our, our key players out in the media and, you know, in the, in the, Newspapers, television, etc. It is a struggle. It, it's a struggle because we are seen as a second to or third, you know, behind the Dockers and West Coast. You know, Nick Nanui will, will break a toenail and he'll be front and back page of the uh, of the West. 
um, you know, fight for as well. So it is difficult. But I'll tell you one thing, how strong the media here. We beat Adelaide in, in that semi-final in the penalty shootout. Mark McGowan's first ever game of football, he was there. And uh, a lot of people were there, actually. The great, great man, one of my greatest ever sportsperson, Dennis Lee, was at that game. And I got to meet him before the game in a, in a suite. And I just shook his hand. That was his first ever game. And he said, oh, if this game's like this all the time, I want to come. So we won that game. On the Sunday morning, we knew the grand final was going to be in Perth. So we had basically four to five days to sell it out. How did we sell it out? The media. We were front, middle, everywhere. And we sold out that game in such a short time. We were all over the, the papers, our players, our coaches. Sage, he was, you know, front and centre with McGowan. That's the power of the media. But we just don't get that. As much as we can do, they love winners. At the moment, we're not. But, you know, we, we always struggle for that, you know, basically that, you know, sort of – I think the, the sports media in terms of football, we you know we get a, a fair bit of that and, and, you know, the podcasts and stuff like that. But the, the newspapers and the TVs, we, we don't get as much as we should. And, and I'll be honest, it's not, it's not our fault. We, we'll try and do – we'll do whatever it takes, but we just don't have that um, opportunity like, like the other sports have. Mm. Just to, Well, that, that leads me into my, my next question. We did this season bring in – somebody who was primed for that in Daniel Sturridge. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I had, uh, I, I, I was the one that asked Daniel Sturridge when he, when he came here about, was he here for a holiday? And he outright said, I'm not here for a holiday. I'm here to play football. I love the game. Sturridge is injured and he has had his problems with, with quarantine and everything else. But what seems to have irked the fans and it's something that's had me scratching my head is why he's not at game signing autographs, why he's not doing more PR stuff for the club. Is there anything in regards to contractual obligations to do that sort of thing or is it the, the club not pushing him? What is the reason we as, as supporters haven't seen anything of Daniel Sturridge for months? Yeah, um, Daniel goes to every game. Um, does Daniel stay behind and sign autographs? No. Daniel's, you know, at the moment, you've got to understand also Daniel is, is very, very frustrated and, and very upset with, with what's happened. I mean, he came here with good intentions. We signed him with good intentions. Um, we knew it would be take a little while to get him fit. Um, you know, we, we, we managed to sort of give him a bit of a cameo the first game against Adelaide for, for five, ten minutes, but we knew he wasn't fit. And then he, he basically, um, you know, apart from the quarantine issues, sort of broke down and then broke down again uh, pretty severely uh, in that Tasmanian game where he did his groin. So his focus, as be honest, is, is about trying to get fit. He wants to finish off playing some games in Perth, and the aim is still to try and get him fit and ready for that Wanderers game on Saturday night. Um, and we haven't pushed him, to, to be honest, Neil, because I know his, his focus has been on, on training and, and getting ready for that game. Um, and it's also hard to get these sort of players, to be honest. Well, I had the same thing with Del Piero um, as well, to get them to do bits and pieces out there. Um, uh, so, yeah, maybe it is a little bit of fault of, of mine about not pushing him as much, but I've also respected his ability to try and get fit, and that's his first priority because first and foremost, he wants to finish off as a footballer. He did not – we didn't sign him for him to come to a holiday. He didn't come here for a holiday. I think it's a bit unfair 
all the um, the attack he's getting, um, and and you know, and we're throwing a lot out of him. The fans are. I mean, every second thing is, oh, I thought I saw Sturridge in there, or this and that. It's pretty unfair and pretty hurtful, um, t- to to be honest. And I think they should just give him some respect. He's injured at the moment. He didn't uh, do it on purpose. We didn't get him, sign him to, to for him to sit on the uh, physio table all along. But I spoke to him today. He's in good spirits. He's training hard, and I'm hoping he can finish off with his boots boots on against the Wanderers. But, um, yeah, I've just basically left him to, to basically get fit and, and, and focus on, on that then push him out and sign in autographs and, and stuff like that. Because when he did so, on against the Adelaide game, he was, there, he was the last person off the, off the track. Tony Sage was on right uh, on the radio. Right or wrong, Neil. Yeah. That's that's how I've, I've sort of felt. Yeah, no, absolutely, and that's again appreciate the honesty with it. And Tony Sage had, had attributed said that on on the radio a few weeks ago that he felt it was a hundred percent success from a marketing perspective, but definitely not from a playing perspective. And and that ties in with exactly what we've seen. But what what does the future hold for Daniel Sturridge at, at Perk Glory? It's a one year contract, and he hasn't played much and there's injury doubts. Is that something that gets decided at the end of the season or, or where do we go from here with a player like that who came in with a huge reputation but we haven't seen enough of him? Yeah, look, it's, um, yeah, we'll, we'll sit down once the season's finished but, you know, hand on heart, um, as Tony's right, you know, from a football point of view, um, it hasn't worked. We, uh, we, were, we, were, we were, I suppose, very excited about him partnering, you know, Bruno up front and Sardinero behind and on the wing, and, and yeah, it just hasn't worked out. Um, so that's that's been disappointing from a marketing point of view. Yeah, it has been good. You know, not many times we can sell out HBF Park, um, and I, uh, I think you know we were you know very, you know, I suppose optimistic what it could do, but it hasn't worked out. So next year. Um, yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I, yeah, I, I, I doubt it to be honest. If, if that's a, you know, if, if we want to really put something out there, it's going to be very hard yeah. for us to re-sign Daniel. With with some of the other, just the recruitment in general. I mean, another player who came in with a big reputation and, and somebody that we were all looking forward to seeing was Brad Jones, and he was signed on a two-year contract at 39 years of age, when there was already a 39-year-old goalkeeper in the squad. He's picked up his injuries. He's been out um, for quite, quite a substantial amount of time, and now won't play again this season. Uh, it, fans are still looking. Well, we signed these, and we also obviously started arrows come in and. He's done an ACL, which you can't you can't plan for. But his his production prior to that wasn't exactly setting the world alight either. These were three big name players: Sturridge, Jones, Sardinero, that everybody was looking forward to seeing and would contribute hugely to the team. Obviously, along with Brandon O'Neill coming in, but they haven't delivered. Is that something now that needs a review in terms of what type of player we look to attract and how do we bring in first te- first team quality players that can actually nurture these young guys on? Because if they're not on the pitch, it's very hard to help with the development in game. Yeah, I mean, Brad came, you know, as you said, 39, which, you know, for, for a goalkeeper, um, you know, look at Liam, he's the he's same age as well. So we thought we had really two good good goalkeepers. We're not, we weren't too worried about, you know, from that position, but yeah, sort of he pinged his knee and, um, you know, he had to, unfortunately, you know, play injured as well um, for, for a couple of games. Um, so that was, that was disappointing. Um, yeah, look, I, I suppose some players that we've signed haven't, um, you know, fulfilled our, 
our thoughts, uh, what what they could play like, um, and recruitment. Your visa player recruitment is, uh, is other keys. They they're the ones that make or, or break your, uh, your your team and, and where you you know, you sit. So. Yeah, I suppose Adrian hasn't. You know, Adrian came with, with big raps coming out of Greek First Division. You know, scored six or seven goals last year. Um, look, we were hoping for, for everyone, but it hasn't worked. So um, that's something that you know we really need to look at next year and make sure we get it right and get those visa spots uh, you know spot on because, as I said, they're uh, they're the most important um, part of uh, part of your team. Um, I think you know Daryl's been been amazing this year and played every game and carrying a you know a massive amount of workload and you know we're, we're in discussions with him now to, to to continue on for a couple more years and. Um, I hope we, uh, you know, we we can convince him to stay because uh, you know he's he's been fantastic. And um, the only you know positive things is a lot of these young kids are getting some good game time, you know. And I like seeing some players like you know Collie develop, and uh, you know Bodner was playing really well until he got injured, and uh, you know Trent, you know Oslo, who hasn't played for for a long, long time with two knee reconstructions, uh, unfortunately, on his shoulder, but. You know, there's there's a lot of bright future here, and um, that's uh, that's positive. And we need to now to couple it with bringing some senior boys with the youth. And um, you know, we're going to be a better team. I'm not saying next year, but at least you know, a couple of years away, uh, we can sort of build up and then start the, the process. It is a rebuild. Um, that's uh, that's what we're looking at at the moment. I assume that the, the the club is already looking at players for next year because that that generally takes place before the season ends. But with no full time first team coach in place, Terry McFlynn having departed from his role, uh, is that something you're actively doing? And if so, who makes those decisions in in the absence of people in those roles? Yeah, look, I suppose at the moment what we are doing, uh, we are looking at players. I mean, we get players all the time, you know, A-League. The visa players, can they'll take a little bit of time because you don't really get the visa players once European season finishes um, and then they decide what, what they want to do. Um, but, you know, A-League, you'll, you'll know. So, and, and we're just talking budgets at the moment um, with, with, with the owner in terms of what he wants to, to spend on, on next year and, you know, in terms of, you know, do we go with two marquees? Do we go with one marquee? Do we go with no marquees? Um, you know, Bruno's contracted again for next year, uh, as is Brandon. Uh, so we've got a lot of players on contract. So there's probably three or four spots that we need to fill. Um, and, and that's something that, you know, and then, you know, we can sort of start that process now. Um, but, uh, you know, Ruben's still there, so we'll, we'll talk to him as well. Um, but, uh, yeah. We're uh, we're in uh, sort of uh, a slow signing mode at the moment, and and just talking to agents as well. Uh, Tony, I just wanted to just ask you. I guess you talked a little bit there about the budget. Is it still sustainable to be running under the current ownership and and the model and be able to achieve the goals that you think the Perth Football Club uh, needs to achieve? Uh, for that matter, there has been talk about the owner looking for investors, uh, so on and so forth. Um, is it sustainable the way it's going at the moment? Look, I know it's fallen on 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 Tony a lot. Um, yeah, and, I'm, and I know that he's looking for investors. I don't know if he is talking to other people. I don't really get involved in that. That's it's his club, his business, and he'll go out and decide, you know, if he wants to sell part of it, all of it, et cetera. Um, 
but you know my job is to, to push and get as much as I can uh, in the, in the budget to allow us to go out and be successful. Mm. And and that's what we'll try and do. But ultimately, he'll tell me what it is, and I've got to then work work to that. Uh, you did uh, just one last one from me, Tony. You've been uh, super uh, generous with your time. Um, uh, uh, how does the how does the football club look going forward? Uh, I guess is the is the easiest way to um, ask that question. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose we need to um, appoint a coach. We need to appoint a coach and make sure the coach is there when the players come back from annual leave in, in July. Um, so that's something that we're working on at the moment. Um, we have given Ruben the, the job until the end of the season. That end of the season will finish May the 4th or the 5th against Melbourne City, our last home game. Um, and then, then we'll start the sort of process. And we're getting CVs all the time and we'll go through that um, with, uh, with, with the owner. Um, and then we'll make a decision from there. And we also then got to give the coach a bit of room to pick his squad. What we don't want to do is have a squad already picked and, and then for him to, to say, you know, come November, December when he hasn't won three or four games, this is not the squad I picked. So we've got to give them, the coach, an opportunity to, to pick some players as well. So that's, that's a bit of a, you know, catch 22 we're in at the moment. But, um, yeah, look, I, I think we need to do better uh, next year, uh, a lot better, uh, and we need to we need to be challenging every year. Every club wants to. You don't you don't play professional sport if you just want to, mm. you know, just be a run of the mill team. You know, um, so we want to be up there playing finals and playing home finals and playing grand finals. That's that's the aim of every club um, in in the A League, and that's the, that's our our focus. I'll just go through a couple of quick fire questions. No, don't expect long answers from these, but they, they've come in to us as well. Um, one of the, the first one would be: Do you support a national second division, given that there could be a knock-on impact to Perth Glory in terms of promotion and relegation? Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on on having competition within the state? Yeah, it's fine. I, I welcome it. I, mean, I think the Wanderers did amazing for uh, for Sydney FC when I was there when they came in. It just brought a lot of rivalry. But second division, I think it, it'd be fantastic if it, if it's affordable and can work, and um, you know, give an opportunity to a lot more players to play uh, play football at a uh, semi or, or professional above the NPL. So I think it's a great idea. Should. Wollongong and Canberra have been admitted to the league before Western United and MacArthur. Now, that's probably a politically charged question. But in terms of expansion in general, do you, do you think that we've gone about it the right way? I think we need to, to have more. We need to get to 14 so we can have home and away, 13 teams, 13, you know, 26 games home and away. Um, I think that there could be probably be more expansion. I'd like to see another team in, in Brisbane and maybe Canberra, um, to be honest, to come in. Uh, whether, you know, West United or MacArthur, you know, that's by the by, that's happens. But I think um, a team in Canberra and maybe another team in, in Queensland could, could get us to 14 and ultimately maybe 16. But we need to get a lot of things right in the A-League first before we you know, expand. And, you know, things haven't gone great this year in the A-League and, you know, they'll be the first to admit, you know, their Paramount hasn't been fantastic uh, platform. Um, it's had a lot of lot of problems um, initially, and that sort of put a lot of people off. The Keep Up app needs to to be better because that was that's the sort of you know 
uh, I suppose, conduit between the fan and, 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 and the league as well. So I know, and, and there's been no marketing, and that's all up, you know, on the, on the back of, of COVID, etc. So next year, you know, we won't have the issues we've had in the past. You know, you look at the AFL now, they're playing basically over, over East, apart from WA, full capacity stadiums, etc. no excuses. So next year, we've got no excuses. Um, we need to do better. The owners now own the league, and now they've got to basically, you know, say, you know, walk the talk. They're going to put more money to marketing, etc., and that has to be done. How much, just a quick one on that, how much say does, I guess, the owners have on the, do they, does each owner sit on a board or something? Tony, how does that set up work in the relationship between the owners and the APL? Well, basically, the APL are the owners. Sure. So the, the, the chairman is, is, is Paul Lederer uh, of Western Sydney Wanderers, and then we've got um, you know, various four or five clubs on the board. I think um, you know, Melbourne City, Brisbane Wall, Melbourne Victory, Sydney FC are on the board, maybe Wellington. So they, they, they make up the board, but it's basically run by the owners. They meet regularly and they decide the, you know, what's, what's best for the league. It's got nothing to do with Football Australia anymore, mm. apart from the referees. For sure. They control the referees only. Two more quick ones for me, and then we'll let you let you go. The first one was just a, it was a, more of a comment uh, around the fact that the Perth Glory Honor Board in the Members Lounge hasn't been updated since David Mitchell was the manager. Um, but that ties in with the with the question: Is is, is there any um, anything being done in the background to bring on X? people from the club players and personalities to, to be more um, in ambas- um, ambassadors for the club and get out there in, in the in the media and podcasts, grassroots, all that kind of stuff. It, it, what the, the general gist of it is, is that we're not really doing enough with our history. Yeah, look, a good point. I, yeah, I wasn't aware of the uh, the board, to be honest. Um, so I'll, I'll look at that. So thank you, Neil, for, for alerting me that. Um, yeah, look, our, our number one... I suppose ticket holder is, is Stephen Canelio, um, being a WA boy. Uh, but you, you're probably right. You know, we probably need to get engaged more with with past players and celebrities, etc. That uh, can can produce it. It is hard because a lot of them we have approached. To be honest, in my time there, um, they just they don't really want to get involved too much. They've got their own brand and their own. Um, I suppose uh, businesses to look after, and they don't have much time. But it is a point that we, you know, we should we should continue to look because the, the more people spruiking about the club, um, the better it is. So, um, yeah, it's work in progress. To be fair, last one for me. What what does the future hold for yourself? It's been a in, an interesting. Um, well, challenging, I suppose, a couple of years given you're you're from the East Coast and you're in Perth doing a job and family divisions and, and everything else. But but what are your plans um, considering you've been here for a few years now? Yeah, so it's four years. Um, it's gone quick. Uh, yeah, look, it, it, the last two years have been terrible. Um, you know, I've basically, had, you know, last year I didn't see my family for seven months and the year before was like, I think, six months. Um, look, I'm going to sort of sit down, at the, at, as I do every year, sit down with my wife at the end of the season and see exactly what we can, what, what I want to do, what she wants me to do. Um, uh, it's easier now that I can go back and forth and jump on a plane, and um, which which makes it makes it easier. I'm, you know, in Melbourne at the moment for Easter, and then back uh, after Easter. So that that's great. I can do that, and you know, if if. If things go well, then you know, maybe even move move my wife over. My, I've got older adult kids now; they've got their own lives. So it's something I look at at the end of the season, you know, like like everything. Review, 
and uh, and go forward. Very good, Tony. I really appreciate you giving us uh, plenty of time here this afternoon, mate. Uh, it was, uh, I think it was an important conversation to have and uh, hopefully we come out the other side a little bit better and there's a bit more answers, a bit more understanding and so on and so forth. But uh, we do appreciate you jumping on board. No, it's, it's a pleasure and you'll probably have an answer to everyone's question. Um, it's, it's hard. Maybe I should do another Ask TP on Twitter. But, uh, yeah, look, I, if there's one thing I want to leave with is let's show the APL that, this club means a lot. Forget where we are on the ladder and forget if we're going to win another game. But let's get to that Wanderers game on that Saturday night. Everyone's been saying that Wednesday night's a terrible. We've got that Saturday night game. I think it's a good kickoff time. It's going to be live on Channel 10. Let's fill, well, probably won't fill HBF, but let's get a big crowd there um, to show the league that, um, you know, Perth Glory is, is one of the big clubs in, in the A-League and the fans really want to make sure that, that Perth Glory uh, is sort of a... Uh, I suppose, um, treated better and, and, and fairer than they have been in the past. And this is a good way to do it, but still with, with lots and lots of people and a big crowd. Let's do it. Absolutely. Thank you very much for your time, Neil. Thank you very much, mate, as always. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to producing uh, many more of these down the line if we can uh, get Tony uh, back on board in the future. Uh, don't forget to follow us all over Facebook, Twitter, everything else. Do so for the club. Make sure you give plenty of love back to the uh, the poor old social media managers that are copping it at the moment. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time for another edition of the Far Post Perth podcast.